Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 16th, and our chapter for today is 1 Timothy chapter 5. Remember, the purpose of 1 Timothy is for Paul to share with his son in the faith, Timothy, that he is to act a certain way, have a certain attitude, and to conduct himself properly as it relates to the church of Jesus, specifically the local assembly. I think it's important for us to review the reality that when we talk about the church of Jesus, the emphasis in the New Testament is not upon the body of Christ worldwide. It's not upon what we share and have in common with people all over the earth who love Jesus. When the Bible speaks of the church, It is referring to the local assembly 98 to 99% of the time. This is very important because in our day of independence, our day of living in a world of our own, we often forget that God saved us for community and that he expects us to relate to other people of God in our area that have the common goal of following Jesus. This is so very important in our age because we stress independence, especially in the West, and there are advantages to that. But when it comes to the Word of God, to family, to sharing together, it is more than just about our family. It is about a community, a community of believers that has a common foundation. Remember, in the early church, in the book of Acts, it was in community that they overcame persecution and hardship. Now, we have not had to face that in the West, in particular, in the United States, but those days could come to an end quickly. And so we must be tied to a local assembly. If you don't have a local assembly, you need to find one. Contact me. I'll try to help you find one that is a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that is a loving congregation that cares for its own. Now, I'm not talking about taking the place of the family. I'm talking about in addition to the family. Sometimes a family will be overwhelmed, not just an individual, but a family will be overwhelmed, and they need the help of a local assembly. The primary unit for care in the Old and New Testament is the family, not the church. It's not the church's responsibility to make sure that every time someone goes into the hospital or needs care, that it is the church's primary responsibility. No, that depends upon the family. But when the family is overwhelmed or when a person is alone or a couple doesn't have family, then the church needs to step in and do more than they would for someone else. 
And the reason is the circumstances are different with different people. And so we need to be very sensitive to that. And we're going to see in chapter 5 that certain people and people groups or categories within the church need special care. Now, Paul in chapter 5 deals with elders, older men, older women. He deals with widows, older widows, and younger widows. He deals with how to honor those who are in leadership that are indeed leading the church. And so all of these things seem to be avoided like the plague because it seems like that we are being partial. But that's not the case whatsoever. As a matter of fact, Paul said to do these things without prejudging, prejudice, or with inclination one way or the other. We need to make sure that we follow God. And so here is what he said to Timothy. Do not rebuke. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. This is Paul talking to his young son, the faith, someone in their 40s, more than likely. And he says, don't rebuke an older man. Now, the word older man is the word presbyteros. It is for an elder. Now, the word elder, like many other words, has more than one connotation to it. In other words, the word elder means a senior, someone who is older older. And that's where the function is, someone who is actually older. Now, there is an official sense to that, an office that's related to that called the elder of the church or elders of a church. And those are older, mature men who have been placed in authority over the church of Jesus Christ to minister and serve and lead. All of those concepts are rolled up in the idea of elder. But the idea that a very young man is raised to the point of senior leadership is foreign to the Bible. Again, Timothy is called a young man, and more than likely he is in his mid-40s, maybe his early 40s, more than likely his mid to late 40s. In other words, he is getting up toward a half a century old. He's lived a while. And many times, those who have not lived a while, they may have great knowledge, and there may be a meteor in the night like a Charles Spurgeon or a David Brainerd, someone who is young, but it's obvious they have great gifting. But if indeed they truly are wise, they will get around them older men that have lived longer than they have so that they might have access to their wisdom, yet their counsel. A man is foolish as a young man, less than 50, to go to battle without the wisdom of the sages who have already lived a long life. Now, just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. Some of the most foolish men I've ever met are just older foolish men because they were younger foolish men, but they never grew. I'm talking about choosing out, if you're a young man, those who are godly, first of all, who have walked with God for a long time, but they've lived a life that is worthy. They have raised children. They have been a good husband. They have served the Lord. Those are the people that you need to get around you. And Paul said, do not rebuke them. Now, the word rebuke is unusual. It is the word epiplesso. Epi means, it's a preposition that means above, but it has the idea of intensity of whatever it's connected to or over. Plus, uh, 
or plus O, is to strike at a vulnerable place. It's the idea of being insensitive and brutal and taking a cheap shot or knowing someone's vulnerability and striking that person at their vulnerable place on purpose. Paul said, don't do this to older men. Don't be brutal. Don't be insensitive. If you have to speak to them in a way about something, if they're older than you and they've been on this earth longer than you, then you need to entreat them as a father. As you would talk with your own dad, you say, well, this is the way I talk with my dad. I talk with him. Well, then you need to get right with God because the Bible says a man that will, a child, a son that will curse his father and malign his father and speak evilly of his father with evil intent and strike at him, the ravens will pick his eyes. In other words, it's not going to be a good end because God doesn't like that because In the role of father, that man represents God in the home. Whether he does or whether he doesn't, there still needs to be respect for someone who brought you into this world and helped you. The same thing is true of older women. The Bible says, especially those who are widows, who are really widows, who are truly widows. And then it gives qualifications for those that you would bring into the church and care for as a widow, as one who's lost a husband. If a widow has children or grandchildren, and this is true of a man as well, an older man that is vulnerable and cannot work as he once did, the scripture says that children, are to take care of their parents, and grandchildren are to take care of their grandparents. And if they don't do that, then they are behaving like lost people, yes, even more despicable than lost people, worse than lost people, because even those who are outside of Christ understand that they have a responsibility to take care of those who took care of them when they could not take care of themselves, and that ought to be reciprocated. That's actually the word that is used. You ought to repay them. You ought to be caring for them. And so the church of Jesus needs to take care of those widows who have no one else to take care of them. Those are the ones that are really and truly widows that need to be on the church role. That is the care of the church. They need to take care of them. Now, here is what we run into in our day. We have widows who have children and grandchildren that will not take care of them, will not see to them. But those children and grandchildren are wanting everything that widow, that mother or grandmother has. Now, they're not going to care for them. They're not going to take care of them. They're not going to see to them. They're not going to take them in their home or see that they have a home, but they want everything that they've worked for all of their life. That doesn't go hand in hand. You see, if the church is going to take on a widow who has children and grandchildren who refuse to take care of them in a proper way, then whatever that widow has, if indeed she has means, then that needs to come to the church, not to those children who are ruthless, greedy, and who do not want to take care of their children. Why would a widow want to give to her children who do not care for her and do not see to her, why would she want to give them anything other than minimum? Why? Because the one that will be faithful in little will be faithful in much. 
and the one who will not be faithful with little will not be faithful in much. So if a widow has means and she doesn't give that to the church so that the church can take care of her, then what she is doing is lining the pockets of wicked sons and daughters and wicked grandchildren. Because if indeed the Bible says if a person is not willing to, I don't care if they claim to be a follower of Jesus or not, if they are not willing to take care of their own, the Bible says they are worse than an infidel, than an unbeliever, someone who doesn't even know God or claims to walk with God. These are very important words. Now, either that's true and part of the Bible, or just tear it out and choose the parts that you want to respect that meet your need and tickle your ears. But this is not what the Bible says. And as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, all the way down through the verses that end with verse 16, he gives qualifications for those women who are widows, who are older indeed, how they are to be cared for, who they're to be cared for, and who is to have responsibility for them. And then in verse 17, the Apostle Paul deals with those who are elders in the church. And now he's not just talking about the older men. He's talking about those who are leading the church, who are guiding the church, those who are charged with teaching and preaching the Word of God. And the Bible says that they are to have double honor. Now, that's interpreted two ways. One, I believe that it should be, and that is that you should have respect. If you're going to lead the house of God and the people of God, you need to be a man of gravitas that's not flippant, but someone who truly understands, has wisdom, that is older, that is wiser, and does not behave themselves as they did as younger men often do with silliness and frivolity. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. It just means that you take the task seriously. And he says, not only that, but they need to be remunerated. They need to be cared for by the church. And he quotes two scriptures. Oddly enough, one that is in the Old Testament, which is not odd, and it's out of Deuteronomy 25.4, where he says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. In other words, if an ox is going to be required to do work, then he should be cared for by the one that he's working with and for and serving. And then he says, the labor is worthy of his wages. Now, that's not an Old Testament. That's not in the Torah. That's not in the prophets. That's not in the writings. That's in the Gospel of Luke, and it has to do with the words of Jesus. And so here, the apostle says to Timothy, Two different quotes, one out of the Old Testament, one out of the New. So the words of Luke, and that's where this is quoted from Luke chapter 10 and verse 7, this is put on par with the scriptures of the Old Testament. This is one of those places in the New Testament that validates what Paul said, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and that's Second Timothy chapter 3. We'll be there in two or three days. However, the scripture that Paul is talking about there to Timothy is the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written, but yet... 
Peter puts Paul's writings on par with the writings of the Old Testament, with the Tanakh, with the Torah, with the prophets, and with the writings. And this is what Peter does. So the Old and New Testament scriptures are inspired by God and are called the Word of God, and both are called graphe, or the scriptures. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, whatever you do, do it without partiality, with prejudgment. In other words, don't get your mind made up about somebody. Obey God and do what God says, and don't tilt the scales. That's the idea of not prejudgment, but inclination toward this or that, and you already are leaning a certain way. We need to make sure that if we're going to be leaders in the church, that we let the ground be level at the cross and how we treat one another. And James said a whole lot about this, about the wealthy, not giving more favor to the wealthy or to the poor. And we have both extremes in our churches today. Well, I know this is a little bit technical. It's not really exciting to most people, but it is the Word of God. And these are instructions for the church of Jesus in our day, which desperately needs it. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.